My name is Russ. You're listening to ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity, episode 124, The Ninth Commandment. This is Good Charlotte. So here we are. We are alone. There's weight on your mind. And I want to know the truth if this is how you feel say it to me I know that this will break me I know that this might make me cry you gotta say what's on your mind on your mind I know that this will hurt me Break my heart and soul inside I don't want to live this life I truth from you Give me the truth Even if it hurts me things a little different today. I'm just going to sit here and rap out here, man. I'm going to practice my uh, focus a little bit. I saw a movie the other night. Uh, when Best Picture 2010. It's called The King's Speech. And a uh, great film for anybody who's trying to overcome an affliction. Um, great story about this man's relationship with this coach, um, mentor type of guy. But really for me it touched me in the way that you know the way I reacted towards my relationship my relationships with people who tried to get close to me um uh, this man just uh, I gotta take control and how that really overcame you know it kind of outweighed his trust and uh but the, the film really touched me and it also helped me see that um I don't stammer like I'm not a stutterer like the guy in the film, but I have a stammer of the mind, right? People call it attention deficit disorder. Um, I I tend to not stay on topic. My shows are highly edited because I don't tend to stay on topic because my thoughts are fragmented. This is a habit I've created more than, uh, you know, some kind of psychological thing I need to take a pill for. Uh, yes, I don't believe that people can just um, will themselves out of attention deficit disorder. I think that's a myth. Um, as well, I believe you cannot just will yourself out of sexual addiction for a lot of us. It's kind of the same issue. So doing the show today with uh, with this in mind that I'm working on overcoming that, maybe that'll help some of you guys who I know it drives you nuts the way I I uh, edit the show. I've got emails on that. It's sometimes frustrating for people to listen because it's so fragmented. Um, so let me know how I'm doing on this. I appreciate your emails back, your feedback on this. Uh, Russ at ASI247.org is my email address. Um, the website, of course, is ASI247. 
247.org. If you want to check out some video, see me on put a voice face to the voice. Uh, if you want to do that, you can go to the website. Um, also have resources on the website. I wanted to to make available to you to let you know that that stuff is is up there for you. If you need help, if you need uh, added encouragement, um, people to talk to, blogs, message boards, teens against porn for young people struggling with this, um, partners for purity, uh, the purity report. Um, these are blogs and stuff that you know a way to just get it out of you. And the goal is simple, as he says, uh, my friend John here, to walk in the light as he is in the light. And, and this one way to, to do this, yes, you're behind a screen, so there's some anonymity, but at the same time, getting some of that stuff, purging some of that stuff out of you on the message boards is a good a good idea. Um, wanted to talk about some emails that I got over the, the last uh, few shows and a couple that have really... Um, got me in the heart, right, and my words going out and you receiving them and processing them and then um, bringing them back to me, I appreciate that, man, I do, that's being generous, right, that's being generous in, in something that's deeper than just wealth, than just money, it's, it's, a, it's a generosity of the heart that comes flowing out of you when you engage what you hear and, you know, I'm just a voice in your earbuds, right? So it's easy to dismiss what I've said or not process what I've said or maybe not write it down and then ask a question later. Uh, you know, I encourage you to do that. Really, healing is going to take pressing in and then asking the tough questions when things don't make sense or when we don't like what is said. Man, you know, ask, ask your questions. So, and a few people have done that, and I appreciate that. And, and some of the stuff is really... Um, life-altering type of questions. The, the couple of shows I did on uh, confession have hit some people on a, on a heart level and a, a deeper level, and I really want to go into that today. Um, move right into that here. So again, uh, you want to contact me Facebook. I got a Facebook message. I wanted to talk about a, a Facebook message I just got recently. Um, a friend of mine's been struggling for a long time. 60 days, right? I love that. 60 days of freedom for this man. And uh, I just wanted to give him a, a clap and some encouragement. And that is awesome that you've made it that far. And, and I appreciate that. Um, another thing I've, I've heard people say a lot, and I get this, you're right. Like, I don't like to count my days. And... You know, and I get that because there can be a lot of effort put into counting your days that's not put into pressing in on a spiritual level to deeper desires, right? But one thing I will say, and the reason I do encourage you to count your days is that part of this is repentance. Like you're putting a stake in the ground, right? You are, um, you're not, uh, something that I woke up this morning in, in prayer and it's like, it's like what was revealed to me was that repentance is different than affliction 
okay? If you're afflicted with a disease that's in your flesh and in your bones, um, there's not a lot you can do about that. I mean, sure, you can go to the doctor, and that helps, and I encourage you to do that. You know, go to the doctor, go to the hospital, go to the specialist. Um, love the people that love you by getting help in, in medical areas, right? Um, it's not like poverty. Um, there's a lot of people struggling financially right now, and there's not a lot you can do about that. Sure, there's opportunities that are out there, and you can really dig in and get to work and roll up your sleeves. Um, here in the United States, we have a lot more opportunity than a lot of places, and yeah, that's true, but sometimes, you know, there's not a lot you can do about being broke, about about being living in poverty, about losing your house. I mean, that's a horrible thing. And to say that people are lazy or something like that is just not fair. It's not true. Um, but repentance is something different. Repentance is turning from a, a habit that you're doing and seeking another direction. It's not just a behavior habit, you know, thing, but it's it's seeking another direction on a heart level. That's really what I wanted big weight that I felt this morning that something I'm supposed to say to all of you is that there's hope for this, there's healing for this in a different way that's than poverty or, or sickness or you know, it, it's a different kind of affliction um, the reason I, I state that counting your days is important because it's like you put a stake in the ground at a point and you say alright, I'm going to turn from this thing here and I'm going to make a decision here, this day, to stop doing this now. And then you have the charting your progress, seeing how many days you can put between that decision and whatever happens next, right? Seeing how far you are into freedom and if how you're defining freedom, asking these questions, these tough questions, as you move into the future. And if you do relapse, you start over again from there. I call this system failure, right? Computers have system failures. You know, a computer has an integrity, right? It has a system that it's supposed to run on, and when it crashes, it loses its integrity. That's kind of a system failure. And you put another stake in the ground. All right, you know, I'm going to get back to work. I'm going to press in deeper. I'm going to find out desire level, and I'm going to keep moving and pressing forward. Um this man who who said this this 60 days he has had a lot of these right my hats off to this man I love you dude you and I have talked and in uh, I'm so grateful for guys like you just keep getting back up and you keep pressing forward but I'm gonna challenge you to press in I'm gonna challenge every single one of you to press in deeper on a desire heart level, and I'm going to talk about some of that today. Um, another email from a listener was confessing, right? Confession of truth, and a lot of this putting the past in the past, and you know, this goes to some some deeper philosophical truth that I like. Um, I talked about, I didn't give Timothy Keller his due credit on the last show. I got some of that material from Timothy Keller as well, um, from the lectures I listened to at Oxford, Marianne Talbot talking about critical reasoning. And she talks about a lot of Kant, who philosophically is this philosophical thinker who, I don't know, he never really gets to a 
total foundation on things, but he's a he's a deeper thinker to be sure. But there's this putting the past in the past attitude, and and it kind of shows these two different levels, right? Should we put the past in the past? Should we, you know, I mean that's in the Bible, pressing on towards the goal leaving what behind what is behind me behind and and pressing forward um, yes that is a good thing it's a good thing to put the past in the past but that does not mean that we negate the past pretend like that was someone else who did those things it's still you right it's still your history it may not you may have a heart change um, the guy who who really was into this, right, who really pressed into me on this and, and really got, right, I mean, not just firing off, yeah, but the guy who, hey, I'm asking questions, am I copping out, I mean, he's just saying, what what, what do I do, right, because I, I, I don't believe that I should live in the past, and I get that, but at the same time, um, even though you've had some victory, and this man's had some victory, a long-term victory, like I did, man, I went a year before I confess this to my spouse. I don't necessarily recommend that, right? I mean, it depends on your story and what your counselors say and stuff, but you, you set a date and you confess it because it's right, because it's the right thing to do. And really, it's not, it's not that you're struggling, you know, what, it's, what it really is is the truth. And I talk a lot about the bomb going off, whether you're caught or whether you confess this bomb that goes off and, you know, this emotional shrapnel that happens when this is exposed. But really, the, the bomb going off, you know, the detonator <laughs> that's triggered before the bomb goes off is the act itself. Um... That's true. The detonator is ignited when the act itself happens. When the act itself happens and you're married or you have a, a long-term relationship with a girlfriend, um, at that point, your relationship is altered forever. Does that make sense? You can't take back a bomb blast. You can't take back the detonator pin going off either. So whether it's in the dark or in the light, the facts are that your relationship is different because of the adultery, because of the betrayal, and for the, um, for the perpetrators, like myself, you know, we, first of all, we sink to this level of doing this because of ignoring a lot of heart-level pain or truth or, I mean, truth is such a... It's such a factual thing that doesn't want to match up with how we feel, right? I don't, I don't want to feel like that's true. I, I don't feel like it's true. Whether you feel like it's true or not, it's true. You know, we can't ignore the reality of what's been done. Um, and again, I would urge you to set a date to confess this, not a year from now, right, sometime soon, um, I, I pray that you would get 
counsel around you. Get some folks around you. Get some loving people around you. The best way to do that is a church, man. A good church with Bible-believing, blood-bought Christians, not religious people. Man, religious people ruin everything. Don't. Don't. Right? You can almost tell the cold-heartedness in the kind of religious, bean-counting, so-called Christian. Find a church with people who have that loving sense, right? This grace that you see, you feel. It's, it's you know, a spiritual thing. Pray about it. But get Christians around you and, like the bomb squad, to contain this thing when the blast goes off. Because I can, I can almost feel that I'm telling you this, I'm talking about this, and I'm saying that, you know, yeah, you need to confess it. And some of you, it feels like spiritual vomit. You know, the sin sits in us, and it's like that. It's like this spiritual kind of sickness. And confession is like vomit. You know, you can feel it like spiritual nausea. It's the sensation. You know, nausea is the sensation in the stomach that the stomach wants to empty itself. Okay? Spiritually, this is what you want to do with sin. This is what the Bible commands us to do with sin, is purging sin. It's the emphasis on throwing up. It's the, the act is vomiting is the act of forcible emptying of the stomach by your body, right? And sin is like that foreign parasite that sits in us and in our spirit and feeds off us. And it either becomes us or we purge it, right? We kill it. Um... So again, if you feel that, like you need to confess this, again, don't just react. Don't be, you know, talking about emotional intelligence. Have some enough smarts and sense about you to make a plan and do this in a way that's going to contain the blast. Your, um, your odds of keeping your relationship together go up dramatically when you have loving people around you to help you through something like this. All right? Um, I go to Mars Hill Church in Seattle and uh, we just believe in brutal honesty, right? I'm a member of Mars Hill Church and, and I love Mars Hill and they deeper message than a lot of churches and I love these guys for uh, just uh, the crowd that, that they... Uh, I love AC3 too, man, I'm as well went to, to that church. I love those guys. The crowd at, uh, at Mars Hill is, is more my style, I guess, more my people, more who I uh, I identify with because of some of the theology, yes, but just the different folks, right? The different people seeking truth, and if you're going to get married at Mars Hill Church, there's, the, there's a stringent um, pre-marriage Right, you go in for counseling, premarital counseling, and one of the biggest things they talk about is um, putting out, right, confessing everything. You confess your whole sexual past to your fiance. You do it now before you're married, and they need to process that. And this is a faith exercise because you are going to have to give grace. In a lot of these situations, right? You're going to have to give grace like you've been given grace. 
realizing that, right? Being a part of believing the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we're forgiven. Forgiving our spouses is like that. That's the truth of the cross. So, um, uh, the biggest thing I want you guys who, who struggle to confess to understand, and the biggest thing I want strugglers with sexual addiction to understand, is giving and receiving grace. Theologically, you know, we know this, that God has given us grace. Grace is this beautiful, simple concept. Again, I go back to that film, The Prestige, you know. When you're shown a magic trick, you're shown something simple, but it's probably not. You know, that's part of the lie. A lie is this weird organism that seems like it's just something simple because people believe what you tell them, but then you got to keep your story straight, right? And there's this big complex mess of lies that, that sits behind you and you're trying to just show somebody your version of truth. It's just exhausting, man. And I pray some of you purge it. I pray you sit down, talk with your spouse. If it's not adultery, just say, listen, I'm a liar. You know, sometimes I'm afraid of you and I make stuff up. And sometimes, you know, uh, I, I, I'm afraid. I don't know what to say or how to say it. I want to live in the truth and I struggle. And that's a good thing to just confess to your loved one. Um, some of you, I feel like some of you are dealing with putting in the past and acting like it's all in the past. That's something that happened to me in the past. Let's leave it in the past. Um, the reality of, of childhood sexual assault. And listen, if that's part of your past, if that's part of your history, if you are a of that kind of assault whether you call it molestation you know some people man I was so in denial I just thought it was just kids messing around right this kid was considerably older than me this guy I remember doing this to me it is a bigger deal than you think and I know that there's just a mountain of scary shame attached to it. And we we come up with these kind of, uh, you know, I've already dealt with that. You know, we react, and it's, it's real, man. It's happened to you. I'm telling you, we learn habits. We learn coping mechanisms. We learn emotional habits in the past. And sexual assault, if that happened to you when you were a kid, has effects on your life today. And it has a big, big part of your sexual addiction, man. I'm just telling you, if you're sexually addicted and you have that trauma that happened to you in the past... And you need to get a counselor. You need to talk about it. You need to walk into that experience that happened to you and deal with it. And Jesus says in John 8, man, the truth will set you free. And that is true. 
there's a lot of healing that comes from getting that out of the past and dealing with it. Yes, it's part of your history. Man, when I started remembering and when I started dealing with this, when I started talking about it, I physically was sick. I remember re throwing up, being, you know, my head in the toilet, puking, crying, bawling for hours, just purging this thing out of me. This sick part of my history, this horrible thing that lived in the past that I needed to deal with, man. And you do too. And I pray that you get a counselor and you deal with it. I pray that you talk to your loved ones about it when you do so they know what you're dealing with because you're going to go through these waves of denial and acceptance and denial and acceptance and realizing what happened to you and the shame of what happened to you and how real it is. You don't just leave the past in the past. It is part of your history. Yes, we press on towards the goal. We leave what's behind us behind us. But that doesn't mean it's not a part of your history. And pressing on towards the goal, part of that is realizing how we've learned to cope. How we've learned these habits. Man, God loves you. God weeps for you being abused. God cried, right? God is not, like, these people who do these things are not getting away with it, right? And God knows about it. God grieves for people who are victimized like that. I pray you deal with it. It's not just in the past. It's happening. It, it's part of what's happening now. Alright? Even if you're not sexually addicted, you, these compulsive, defensive attitudes, anger, man, I pray for the courage that you're going to need to walk into that dark valley. So whether it's the fact that you were sinned against or the fact that you need to confess sin, doing that, getting it out of you, confessing it, it changes your energy, right? It, it moves you on the inside and, and changes reactions. It, it, it changes your heart. I love Psalm 51. That whole Psalm 51 is awesome. Verse 17 says, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, do not despise. Right? We lay our heart before Him in the pain, in the sorrow, in the confession, in the reality of the history, and it changes that energy that's in us. It does. It's a different energy when you do something like that. There's something to repentance. There's something to that heart level attitude that you come to someone and your energy changes. You're almost, you're softer, you're slower, you're tenderer in your, in your energy towards someone. 
your focus is less on reacting and more yes it's about the plan that you've laid out but it's a it's a sense of intelligence of the heart that says you know I, I'm, I'm going to come to you I'm going to love you with this energy relapse happens a lot of out of reaction relapse happens and I put posted this on Facebook it's just something that's so true relapse happens when we put second things first we change the heart and behavior follows right and part of that's this energy this repentant energy you change the heart behavior follows you change behavior first and the heart will eventually do what it wants to do over being forced on what it begrudgingly has to do all right C.S. Lewis said, you don't get second things by putting second things first. You get second things by putting first things first. St. Augustine said, put God on the throne of your heart and do whatever you want to do. Right? Your want-tos change. Your want-tos change because you see the truth and, again, you know, you don't want to drink antifreeze. That's that analogy. I, cats, cats have this. Te they can test something and see if it's good or not, right? That you, they can usually test poisons, and because they're that's why they're so finicky. Like a cat, will, I don't know if I want to eat that. I might get sick. But cats will drink antifreeze because it's sweet to the taste, and it kills them. A few a few drops will make them really really sick. An ounce or two will kill a cat. Sin is like that. Pornography is like that. Sweet to the taste, hook, we bite down on the hook, we get reeled into addiction, right? Seeing the truth of what you're laying your life down on, what you're sacrificing to, you're worshiping, will set you free, right? I mean, you start to define freedom. When, you, when the truth is exposed, you start to define freedom. Again, Pastor Mark said, you, a lie doesn't have to be true to have an impact it simply has to be believed at a heart level once a lie is believed at a heart level it becomes that person's version of the truth it becomes part of their doctrine and they seek freedom in that that's why we're addicted we believe lies so the truth of the cross the truth is that we're we have this fear of giving or receiving grace um, Jesus is God, right? That is so important for you to get, man. It's Good Friday coming up soon, and and uh, Palm Sunday was last Sunday. Palm Sunday is this time where all these Jesus rides into Jerusalem, and it's like they roll out the red carpet, right? It's the, they put these palms down, and Jesus rides in on a donkey, and he rides over the palms, and everybody's like, ah, Jesus is like a rock star, right? A week later, they're you know, five days later, whatever, they're, they're shouting, crucify him. Some of those very same people. It's that shallowness, that short perception span, that emotional reacting, you know, just going with the crowd. And when the crowd said, crucify him, a lot of people shouted, crucify him. And he goes to the cross anyway, and he loves us anyway, and he 
pays the ultimate debt anyway, right? This is building, I'm, I'm talking about building a foundation that understanding the truth of what the creator of the universe has done and when you can build your desires on something deeper, that God loves you, that all the stuff in the world, that sex, that money, that alcohol, that whatever, beauty, the, uh, all the stuff that he made, it's not there to... to it's not dirty or evil or bad. It's something He created. He wants you to enjoy. But if your deeper desires are in Him, these things won't own you. Right? These things won't own you. You don't have to worship them. You don't have to place your hope in them. When deepest desires change, when you understand how much God loves you, when you understand who Jesus is, that He really is God, that he want, he's after, he loves you, he's right there next to you, he is in love with you, he's constantly after your heart, pursuing you, and he wants you to run to him and not from him, that's building your foundation, when you change your desires to actually, I'm not talking about religion here, I'm not talking about you just become this religious freak and you're constantly in church and stuff, that's not what I'm talking about, what I'm talking about is your desire comes towards the creator, not the creation, life is beautiful, right, that song, because God made it that way for us to enjoy, and we place our deeper joy in him. We place our trust in Him. We place our hope in Him. And out of that is birthed joy. I guess is a better way to put it. It's the religious people that constantly were on Him. And at the end of it all, Jesus comes back three days later on Easter to prove that He is who He says He was. Right? Who He is. God is alive. There's no tomb with Jesus in it. There's no Jesus' DNA on any bones in the desert. That's not true. Jesus is alive. God became a man. He entered into time and space. That's Psalm 113, right? God stoops down and looks into creation. I love that language. He sits outside of time and space. Do you think he could not enter his own story as a man? Well, how can the two become one? That's how. God sits outside of time and space, enters into his own story. The Holy Spirit, he gives us the Holy Spirit. The three are one. God is three and one. God didn't make us because he's lonely. God is in relationship with himself. I mean, that blows our mind. We don't get that, but that's one God. Right? One God and three different distinct persons. We live in this material world that's governed by time and space, and it's hard for us to understand these things. It's just true. Grace, love, it's the grace that God gave us. It's this simple, beautiful concept. And for the guys who you know, one of the things, forgiving yourself is very, very difficult for what you've done. First of all, and realizing that God forgave you, for not forgiving yourself is holding on to some, this shame. 
God became your shame. Jesus became your shame on the cross. We, we don't have to hold on to it anymore. We don't have to live under that dark, black, nasty, sin-coated curtain of shame. Right? Cold. Jesus bought us out of that. And I know it's easy to say that, it's not so hard, it's not so easy to live it, right? It's hard to, when you've lived in shame and when it's coated you like a garment, it's almost comfortable to wear it sometimes, even though we feel the, the disease of it, right? Taking it off is going to be pressing in and chasing that deeper desire. That is for that relationship with your creator and the lover of your soul. This is different than religion. This is news. And this may be new news for some of you. But just day by day, just even the little things, understanding this concept of grace changes the way you interact in relationships. It can help bust you out of your alone cage, right? I love that song by um, uh, uh, Soundgarden here in the Seattle band here in Seattle. Rusty Cage. I'm going to break my rusty cage and run. God gives us the ability to do that through grace, through understanding us grace. So I pray that you guys are starting to see that this is real, right? This isn't just religion. And I want to invite you to the feast, all right? I know I've done this before, and I'm not going to do an altar call, right? I'm not going to make you repeat some prayer. But I'm going to ask you to become a blood-bought, real, non-religious, right, Christian. Biblical, sound, Christian. Love Jesus, running to Him, not from Him, Christian. Realizing that there's not this vague God that's out there and just loves you no matter what you do. No, he's got rules because he loves you because he loves you. Right? He doesn't want us to end up smashed in the rocks. He loves us and I, and I pray that you receive this invitation. Jesus tells this story. It's from uh, Luke 14. Um, starts in, in verse 15. He says that the, the kingdom of God is like this invitation that goes out. Like this, this guy has a servant, and he asks his servant to send out all these invitations to all these different people. And most of them are kind of like well-to-do people, right? They're, they're kind of varsity with their behavior types, you know, the good, clean, shiny people. A lot of these people, they get this invitation, and. and uh, they make excuses why they're not going, you know, well, you know, I'd like to go to your party, dude, but I got, you know, I got some business to do, I'm buying some oxen, one guy's just plain bitter, right, he's like, oh, things are just horrible, and, you know, I've got all this mess, and you're this, and you're that, so I'm just gonna, I'm not going, you know, Another guy's like, I got married, you know, I'm setting up a wedding, I'm trying to plan for this wedding, I gotta do this, so I'm not going to go. I've got too much to do over here. And so he says, hey, um, I want you to just give the invitation to everyone. Just give it to everybody. Just go out in the streets and hand out blanket with this invitation 
to come to this party. And everybody comes, right? All these people who are so grateful, man. Wow, I get to go to the party? That's awesome. I get to be with Jesus in heaven? That's awesome. You know, that's the parable. It's not that we have some emotional, you know, altar call thing like, like I did when I was a kid. I didn't get it. It was just this kind of superficial, emotional uh, thing, you know. And I got saved three times. It, it didn't take because I thought I was just going to be perfect after that and my problems would all go away. No, they don't. But you start to go on that journey towards Jesus Christ. He's already accepted you. You become born again, right? That's that word for real. means that you become part of that family. You don't lose that. God is pursuing you. God has invited you. And as the messenger, the guy who does this, I'm just telling you about this news, the gospel. It's true. I mean, you just look at the science of the data around the time of Jesus entering human history, dying on the cross, this massive coming back from the dead three days later. The religious people killed Jesus. We killed Jesus with our self-righteous attitudes. We killed God. That's pretty dark. But he comes back three days later because he is the authority he says he is because of his grace, because he loves us. He comes back. That's Easter. I love you guys. Happy Good Friday. Happy Easter. I'm going to leave you with a song by Nicole Nordman, who's covering a song by U2 called Grace. If you confess this out, if you've prayed this, if you, you know, go on a walk talk to God. I accept your invitation. I, I love you. Fall on your knees. Tell God you, you accept it. You want to be a Christian. You want to be blood-bought, redeemed. Help me. Change me. Disciple me, Lord. That kind of attitude. If you've prayed that, you need to tell somebody. Right, that's another part of this. You need to confess it to another person. Tell somebody. Go to a church. Tell somebody. My email is russ at asi247.org. If you become a Christian, tell somebody. Right. Again, I'm not forcing the Jesus pill down your throat. I love you. I want you to see. I want you to taste and see that the Lord is good. It's the book of Titus, man. It says that this in the Psalms, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's given you grace. And that grace will change your heart. It will change your energy. And it takes time. Healing takes time. I'm in the process, man. I'm not near perfect. I'm still a mess. But the healing that I've experienced is phenomenal. i got a long way to go. I'm headed towards that party, man. And I want you to come with me. And I want you to receive and see and experience the reality of this free gift of grace. She'll be traveling with us, man. I love you guys. Until next time. Bye.
he, in him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, ESV, 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, 9, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Revelation 12, 10, ESV, and I heard a loud voice in heaven, saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. I will put my laws into their minds, and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Hebrews 8, 10, 